Turn up the volume, turn up the flavour. Wings, beers and sporting glory. Only at Winghouse. You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Good morning. This is the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Bright and early on your Monday morning to start off the build-up to Super Bowl uh, to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. It is a pleasure to be with you here this uh, bright and early start on a Monday morning at 5am uh, for this special weekly or special daily edition this week of the All-American Hour. Jordy here, Jordan Canellis with you. And down the line, live from still in New York, but soon to be Las Vegas because he is heading over there in a matter of hours, I think, is uh, the Chief. Morning, Chief. How are you? Oh, good morning, Jordy. I'm doing great. Uh, kind of, yeah, I feel a little bit like kid before Christmas, you know, <laughs> uh, getting ready for what should be just a, a massive week. But um, interesting, you know, with the uh, Pro Bowl uh, games or whatever, the flag football, uh, still so much of the NFL media is in Orlando. So there's going to be a big, huge, uh, <laughs> the Orlando to Vegas flights are going to be packed, I'm sure, uh, as uh, this football world moves to Vegas very shortly. Yeah, absolutely. We're still uh, now a week, just over a matter of hours over a week away. So it's, uh, you know, it's exactly seven days and uh, five hours uh, until Super Bowl 58. Uh, 10.30 a.m. Will, uh, will be the kickoff time here in Australia on Monday the 12th of February. So seven days out now between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers for, uh, for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. SEM will be there, of course. Our man Ben Graham is going to be there on the call, who's been... Uh, been with us all the way through the season uh, covering every match and so he'll be there uh, on the ground along with uh, yourself and of course Jared Waitley too um, but uh, but yes as you, as you said we're still technically you know in the, in the build up to the Super Bowl as it is every year it sort of starts off with the Pro Bowl and uh, we're still in Pro Bowl mode kind of we've got the had the skills challenges over the last couple of days and now we've got our flag football matches coming up today Chief in a, uh, in a, in a sort of revamped look of the Pro Bowl which has changed uh, its appearance over the last couple of years. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of even the previous uh, editions of it, and I'm less of interested in this. And I'm a fan of the Manning Brothers, big big fans. I mean, University of Tennessee uh, college football fan and New York Giants fan, Peyton Manning, legend University of Tennessee football player, and obviously uh, Eli Manning, two-time Super Bowl MVP champion with the New York Giants. So I love the Mannings, and I won't watch this. So um, I'd rather watch uh, some NBA or, or something along the other uh, other good quality sports. So we're going to be here at uh, 5 a.m. from Monday to Friday all the way through this week uh, in the lead-up to the Super Bowl, plus they're now a regular show here on a Sunday. If you haven't heard the All-American Hour, we, uh, we're on it Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. You can podcast the show as well at sen.com.au or anywhere that you get your podcasts, whatever app you use, uh, the All-American Hour. And so uh, we cover off everything in American sport uh, across all the major codes, but of course uh, this week we'll have uh, a particularly heavy leaning, obviously to, uh, to to football. We will chat a bit of NBA and uh, and college ball at the end of uh, end of this hour. But uh, yes, every day uh, in the lead up to the Super Bowl, you can send us a text zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the forty winks tempered text. Let us know what you're thinking ahead of the Super Bowl, uh, and uh, of course we are here thanks to Winghouse, the best seats and beers always guaranteed. Chief, uh, what are you? What, what are you thinking about the Super Bowl? Just in general, I guess, when we found out, and you and I were on air yesterday for, for the All-American Hour discussing the uh, 
the, uh, the the conference championship matches, the AFC and the NFC. But now that we've got our matchup, Kansas City and the San Francisco 49ers, if you took a step back and looked at that matchup, what are your initial thoughts on on, on the teams that we're seeing? Well, I think uh, we got a great text. I think it was Tim from Brighton who I think nailed it. And, uh, you know, can Kyle Shanahan... Uh, you know, I guess exercises demons against, uh, you know, one of the greatest uh, recent coaches <laughs> of, of history in, in uh, Andy Reid. And, and can Patrick Mahomes versus Brock Purdy, who's still, you know, this is his first Super Bowl. He's he's played he played a fantastic game in the NFC Championship game. But, the you know, the quarterback coach, uh, very lopsided towards Kansas City. But I think if you look at the talent side, it is way lopsided towards San Francisco, mm. both um, on both sides of the ball, though Kansas City's defense is fantastic. San Francisco, I think, has the slightest edge on defense, but offense outside of quarterback, I think you just uh, the 49ers offense is just loaded, where the Kansas City offense is so dependent on Travis Kelsey mm. um, and don't have a lot of uh, big options outside of him. Yeah, I'm kind of... Uh, on on paper, it looks like that as well, and I'm always, uh, you know, very uh, hesitant to to to, uh, to say that oh, the Kansas City Chiefs don't have the weapons that they used to have because they used to have a, a, an amazing uh, wide receiving group, obviously led by Tyreek Hill a couple of years ago, but he has since left, um, and they haven't really replaced him uh, or the other uh, wide receivers that came and went through the through the Kansas City Chiefs, like Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson and, and all the other names from four or five years ago. They haven't really replaced them with the big names um, in that team. Uh, and Travis Kelsey has been sort of the one major receiver. I think they've still got a good run, running group. Isaiah Pacheco has been a fantastic player. Even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has probably stepped up a, a, a touch this season. Um, and and for that reason, I sort of look at then the 49ers and go, well, they're stacked, aren't they? They've just got, they've got players everywhere. They've got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and McCaffrey's the best running back in the game. So you sort of look at, that, look at it on paper and you go, well, you're going to go with the 49ers. And that's maybe I'm being blinded by that because I think the 49ers will be my tip, but underestimate the, the Kansas City Chiefs at your own peril, right? Because we thought at the end of the regular season that oh, this, isn't the, this isn't a team that can compete for a Super Bowl. They might win a game in the, in the, in the playoffs, but they'll probably get knocked out in the championship game or divisional round if they're, if they're unlucky. But here they are in the Super Bowl, and it just again goes to show and, and proves your point that Andy Reid is, is one of the great mastermind uh, head coaches of of this era. Yeah, and and you know Patrick Mahomes not making mistakes, and the other teams playing making mistakes, and um, just Josh Allen needed to be perfect to beat Kansas City, and Lamar Jackson needed to be nearly perfect, and neither of them weren't. Where Patrick Mahomes did what he needed to do, um, really lots of offense in early in games, and then late in games being. Uh, able to run clocks out in, in situations where neither offense was really performing. And um, where, you know, on the other side, Brock Purdy, though, has, you know, shown to be really, really solid and make great plays with his legs against the Detroit Lions and doing enough to uh, beat the Green Bay Packers. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, when you mentioned all the players, the 49ers have, you didn't mention George Kittle, who's first team all pro tight end over Travis Kelsey. Now, Travis Kelsey's been fantastic during the playoffs, but George Kittle could have a monster game for sure for San Francisco. What about the, uh, I guess, the, the um, I was going to say the likability of these teams. That's probably the wrong way to, to look at it. But I guess if, if to gauge what the general public have thought about this match, 
Um, you had the possibility of the Ravens against the Lions, and I think the the, uh, the the fairy tale story of the Detroit Lions making their first ever Super Bowl and um, having you know Dan Campbell turn that team around in, in just a, the space of a couple of seasons. Um, that was obviously on the cards, but we have now tabled to us um, uh, the, uh, the the Chiefs and the 49ers, which is the same Super Bowl matchup as, what, four years ago, five years ago now. So what have the general public sort of thought about the, the matchup between the Chiefs and the Niners? Well, I, I think you're right. I think it's a bit unpopular. And if you look at kind of casual fo- football fans, I think it's it's particularly unpopular. Popular. Patrick Mahomes, for some reason, and I don't dislike him, but he seems to have a lot of, uh, you know, haters. <laughs> and, uh, and then the 49ers, you know, they've been, you know, a team that, yeah, everyone was really pulling for. Uh, the neutrals were really pulling for the Lions. Though I think football fans, real football fans, and, I love this Niners team because it's just so loaded with uh, so much quality uh, on the lines, the offensive lines, the defensive lines, kind of built inside out, and then have such you know t- talented skill position players and huge defensive playmakers. So like I think football fans, you know, want to I think see the best team win or you know uh, quality make make out. But the average casual is not a fan of this matchup. Yeah. I- yeah, so I gained that sentiment just from looking at uh, looking at social media over the week, and a lot of people definitely, uh, I think, wanting the the lines to to make it because of the because of the the fairy tale aspect of it. But um, now we've got the Chiefs and the 49ers. Do you think this having these teams almost in the Super Bowl, Chief? I reckon probably establishes them. I mean, the Chiefs had already been in this position, but they've now got the chance to 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 be become a, a dynasty. You know, winning three. Super Bowls or the chance to win three Super Bowls now in this era under Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, three is probably kind of the number that you look at for any sport when, you, when, you, when you're asking the question of, is it a dynasty? Uh, so three is probably that threshold. And the 49ers, um, I think they're probably, I think they're still, even though they haven't got the trophies, they're probably still one of the best teams uh, or as many trophies as the Chiefs, but still one of the best teams of this era. So if you're looking at sort of the post-New England Patriots uh, era now that we're currently in uh, in the NFL, it's probably these two teams that have been the best over that distance. Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, real football fans, I think, kind of like this matchup because kind of want to see Ken Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy get it done. And, you know, I hate to put so much on the coach, and it just – it, that's what the storylines and drama. That's what makes the NFL, I think, so popular. Is this this the storylines and the drama? We we talk about it every week. How you know the seventh eighth game on the on the card still has some really interesting storylines. So um, I think football fans, are, yeah, I think will love this. And uh, because if the Chiefs pull this off, I think it really really puts you know Patrick Holmes in the talk. Of uh, you know, it's so early in his career, but you have to talk to, about him as being the greatest to possibly do it. You know, he's got to obviously add to his resume and chasing Tom Brady with a, a longevity record that's insane. Um, he's got to do it for quite a bit longer, but he's on his way. Uh, the San Francisco Forty ers they haven't won a Super Bowl since nineteen ninety four, so going back quite a way now. It's been uh, almost. Uh, what's that, almost 30 years now since they've actually won a Super Bowl, but still one of the great storied teams of the NFL. Uh, but all their success did come in the 80s and 90s with uh, the likes of Joe Montana and Steve Young, uh, the, the figurehead of those sides uh, through those eras. Um, but even for a team like uh, the 49ers, it's been a long time between drinks for them. So what, what will it mean to, 
to the uh, obviously it's going to mean a lot clearly to win uh, to to win a a Super Bowl if they can do it come uh, come Sunday or Monday our time. But but I guess for the overall sort of NFL. Um, look at it holistically. What will it mean to have the 49ers back at the top of the tree if they are triumphant? Well, yeah. I mean, it's a, a very popular franchise. Gained tons of fans through the, the Joe Montana, Steve Young era. Uh, a huge population base in um, Northern California. And, uh, yeah, very popular team. And John Lynch, the, the GM for a while now, has really built a, a, what on paper looks like, you know, a great team almost every season. Um, the quarterback, you know, they took a chance on Trey Lance with a, of top pick that was a complete miss. They ended up moving on from him and using their uh, their, their last pick, Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, as their starting quarterback and their franchise quarterback. It's just absolutely wild turn of events um, for the, the 49ers, a quarterback, and can it work? And, and, and Kyle Shanahan, like I said, uh, you know, had a chance to win a, couple, a bunch of years ago in this, this previous matchup and uh, was the offensive coordinator up 28-3 against the New England Patriots uh, against the uh, Atlanta Falcons. This is as, the as, yeah as sorry, offense coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons. Sorry, this is the All American Hour here on SEN for Winghouse, the best seats and beers always guaranteed. Tim from Brighton always listening. He's up bright and early this morning. Uh, morning, Geordie and the Chief. Awesome to be listening to you in the week in the lead up to the big game. Says Tim. Tim, send us a text. Who have you got early on? Well, a week out now. Who have you got as as your pick? And are you susceptible maybe to having your your tip uh, or your pick for the match uh, swung in the lead up to the uh, to the match? And we'll get those early predictions from everyone, not just from Tim off the off the text, but 0433981116. So we're a week out now. What are your thoughts and feelings over this uh, over this matchup, the Chiefs and the 49ers uh, in the Super Bowl? We are here every morning this week, Monday to Friday here at 5am, prior to SEM breakfast uh, in the lead up to the Super Bowl. Myself and the Chief, who is... Uh, now, what time are you, you jetting off? Because you're heading... Uh, from uh, from the east to the west. You're in New York at the moment where it's still Sunday your time, but by tomorrow, Monday, you'll be there at, in Las Vegas. So what's the uh, what do the travel plans look like, Chief, over the next couple of hours? Well, yeah, it's a little after 1 p.m. here in New York. I've got a 6.30 flight out of JFK. I actually have to make a pit stop, though, at Aqueduct Racetrack, which is right next to the airport. i got to drop off my racing silks. I have a horse that I uh, own that hopefully will be running on Saturday. Uh, our time, uh, Super Bowl Eve, making her first debut, Aunt Yola, after my great Aunt, Aunt Yola. Um, so I got to drive my silks off and then get on a flight to JFK and get in, you know, luckily we get three hours back, so it's not too late uh, in Vegas time, and then I'll be ready to go for another show early, 10 a.m. local time in Las Vegas on uh, Monday, my time. <laughs> so uh, that's how it breaks down. Wow. So you're involved in, in, uh, in, in horse race ownership. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, well, about a little like a year and a half. Um, and uh, <laughs> I have three three-year-olds, and I've had no luck with getting them to the track. They just turned three January 1st. That's the Northern Hemisphere birth date. And um, finally getting one of them to the track, and uh, hopefully a couple more shortly thereafter. And then I have four uh, now two-year-olds that hopefully will be racing you know, later in the summer, early fall. There you go. Bit of a uh, bit of insight into uh, into the Chiefs' world. All right, we'll take a break here on uh, on the All American Hour this Monday morning on SCN. Jordy and the Chief with you uh, on the Monday in the lead up to the Super Bowl. So a week out now, uh, a week and uh, a couple of hours away from the opening kickoff from uh, the Chiefs and the Forty ers in Super Bowl Fifty Eight. It's it's becoming a, a bit of a hotbed now, isn't it, Las Vegas for uh, for sports and for sports entertainment? We've got. 
we've just had uh, in the last uh, couple of months at the end of last year, the Formula One, which went there and seemed to go off um, with uh, with the fans very nicely. Uh, the, uh, the the Golden Knights are there. We've had the, uh, the Raiders uh, move over there from Oakland to Las Vegas. It's now becoming a, a bit of a sporting hotspot. Yeah, and you know, I think what, what, what happened was is the legalization of sports gambling in New Jersey then made it so, you know, obviously they were still going to play professional games in the state of New Jersey, considering that's where the stadium, the New York Jets and the New York Giants play in. So then that broke all the, started breaking down. And already Vegas had plans with the Vegas Golden Knights to add an NHL team. And then once that, you know, broke through, it's, yeah, it's blown up. Obviously the move from the Raiders bringing in the Las Vegas Raiders, um, they have uh, uh, the Oakland Athletics going to be soon moving to Las Vegas to add a Major League Baseball team. And uh, certainly the next round of expansion in the NBA almost certainly will be a Las Vegas team that a lot of rumors are that could be uh, LeBron James's team. <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> um, and, and Seattle also are very likely to add an NBA team as well next go-round. So Vegas possibly having now, you know, going to have three major sports, almost four major sports. But then, yeah, you're talking about events. And this Vegas is known for events, obviously, a great convention city. Um, tons of hotels, tons of tons of space for um, parties, events, the best clubs in the world, uh, the shopping, everything. It's just uh, massive. Uh, the restaurants, it's, it's blown up and it's a great destination. So, you know, F1, I heard the numbers of people were down, but the quality, uh, absolutely record-breaking numbers at uh, table games, um, shops, uh, just because of how much money it brings in. And um, yeah, they've had, hosted all-star games for the NBA. They host the Summer League. They, they do so much now and they have so many great sporting venues, including Allegiant Stadium. Has it? Has it maybe surprised you that it's taken maybe this long for for a sporting boom to really hit Las Vegas? No, I think, one, you, you needed the sustained population, and that's there. And then, again, there was so much uh, gambling. There was so much, uh, you know, fear that, you know, you couldn't have professional sports in a city where the only place, the only state that you could gamble in. And then once that started getting broken down, um, it really, I think, opened the floodgates and... Uh, a lot of it even due to daily fantasy sports, which really kind of started breaking down the gambling and the NFL has taken so much money from what's virtually a gambling type uh, business um, that it really allowed for Las Vegas to become a legitimate spot to host uh, uh, lots and lots of uh, live sports. So we've got the first Super Bowl in uh, in Las Vegas. You mentioned the sustained population. What is that? What, what, do you, what do you mean by that necessarily? Because how... As a city, so we always think of Las Vegas as this massive party city, but of course it is, it's a city. It's, it's a place where people live. People live there. There are suburbs and, and homes and people live in that city and in the surrounding areas of, of Las Vegas and, that, and the main metropolitan areas in, in Nevada. So as a city to sort of live and, and be a resident there, what's that, what does that aspect look like? Well, yeah, I do have friends that I know that live there, and it's it's not dissimilar to other U.S. cities, really. I mean, you generally live in kind of outside of the. Obviously, you're not living on the strip. You're living in a usually a home. It's very flat. It's very uh, you know desert weather. It's going to be actually quite cold, I guess, in like the 
tens, low ten, like around ten, you know, fifty Fahrenheit, uh, pretty much all week. So it's not going to be a warm uh, experience in the summer. It can be extremely hot. Temperatures forty, forty plus, easy, um, and the, in the heat of the desert. But still, lots of sustained population to, to support all the businesses. You know, obviously, it's all built around the uh, entertainment casino. Um, but then there's obviously all the associated businesses, accounting, everything that goes along with it. And then, uh, so there, there is a great population, but it's also such a destination to go for sports. So certainly a football road game. Oh, you know, I know a lot of people who went to see the Giants play there. And then the next week, a lot of New Yorkers went to go see the Jets play there back to back weeks. So, uh, and I also would be remiss not to mention UFC, um, and how big that has been for the sp- Vegas and growing sports. It's always had boxing, mm. but UFC is another thing that recently, uh, um, and the, the gambling aspect there, it's a very popular gambling vehicle as well. Yeah, just looking at the weather as well. Uh, so it's going to be about 12 or 13 degrees uh, Celsius later on at the end of the week. So, uh, yeah, even though we think of Nevada being in the desert, which it is, and it's very warm uh, during the winter, obviously, it's, it does get very cold. So uh, it's not one of those cities that sort of remains at a nice uh, warm climate throughout the year. It does get pretty cold in the winter as well. Um, the uh, So the Super Bowl, I guess, over the years... Uh, well, actually, firstly, before we go to the Super Bowl over the years, the... Picking a for the NFL to pick a location for the Super Bowl. I mean, you sort of look at it and you look at the 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 list of Super Bowls going back over the years, and they always try and pick a place that is in in uh, warmer climates generally, or if not, uh, somewhere that has in the last couple of years anyway, they've picked a place that if it's if it's in the cold, that's it's got a roof. So like when they went to Minnesota a couple of years ago, they just built that new stadium, and it's it's all indoors because. Minnesota up in the north can get can get quite cold at this time of year. So, um, is does that does that sort of pattern of picking the Super Bowl city does that keep with the NFL in, in trying to pick the warmer uh, places around the United States, or is it uh, is it sort of I don't know wherever whoever puts in the highest bid. No, no, you, you have it right. It, it's, it, weather is a huge factor. There have just been ex- exceptions. You know, the New York Giants and New York Jets got one for building a new stadium, and that was uh, outdoor. Actually ended up being, the, you know, the warmest night of that week, but earlier in that week was bitter cold. Um, and then it was a snowstorm on Monday, so people had some hard times getting out a little bit. So it was uh, an exception there. Yeah, you mentioned Detroit. You mentioned Minnesota. Um yeah, you know, with domes and when they built new stadiums, the NFL gifted them basically one. Um, but the, you know, there's obviously the cities in the regular rotation. Um, with Miami and New Orleans historically always being very popular, uh, New Orleans a great convention city, a great tons of hotels, incredible uh, food, great culture. Um, the stadium is right there. What really you can walk. So that's a very popular location. And Miami, historically, uh, I think it's hosted the most Super Bowls. Uh, obviously, the weather, um, the uh, the scene there is you know fantastic. And then now, recently, with the stadium in Dallas, Dallas is going to be in the regular rotation because it's such a fantastic large stadium that can just get so much revenue. Uh, same with Los Angeles, uh, which will be hosting in a couple years. Uh, next year is in in New Orleans, and the year after that's in Santa Clara and. Um, uh, Levi Stadium, where the 49ers are playing, uh, the, their home stadium. So, yeah, generally good weather. Uh, they haven't, you know, Vegas will be in the regular rotation, I'm sure. Um, and with, you know, I, I mentioned the other cities. And the stadium itself, Allegiant Stadium, a fairly new uh, stadium. It's only been up and around for 
a couple of years, what, five years or so, pretty much as long as the Raiders have been in Las Vegas. And uh, how impressive does the state, how excited are you to, uh, to have a look at the stadium firsthand for the first time? Oh, very. I've heard some great things about the stadium. Its capacity is a little on the small side. I believe it's 65,000. So quite, uh, and that's part of the contributing factor for the exorbitantly crazy high uh, ticket prices, which we'll talk about sometime this week. Um, uh, but yeah, it's a smaller venue, but I've heard just fantastic things, you know, brand new. Um, so, you know, that's very exciting. And uh, yeah, we'll be seeing it Monday night. Is Monday uh, tomorrow night for us. Um, I'm going to speak in my time because it's uh, kind of easier and it's the way everyone is going to talk in the NFL because it's the Monday opening night and they're they're opening with that and kind of introducing players kind of uh, WWE boxing style, I think. I'm not really sure what to expect, but that'll be our first view as the media uh, on Monday night. How much of a, uh, of a, of a, of a fingerprint does uh, the Davis family have on that stadium, obviously Al Davis being the long-time executive, <clears throat> pardon me, at the Las Vegas, or at the Oakland Raiders as it was, and now his son Mark being the, the figurehead of, uh, of the franchise. You know, I'm not really sure, to be honest, uh, how much he contributed and how much of it was uh, the city of Las Vegas and knowing that this was going to be a venue not just for um, the eight regular season, nine regular season home games and, you know, a couple preseason games that the Raiders have and uh, the chances of them hosting a, a playoff game is, is always pretty long uh, on, on the regular. Um, so... Uh, I, I'm not sure how much the day. I believe the flame is still there. There's some flame that yes. uh, yeah. uh, going back from Los Angeles, going back from Los Angeles Coliseum, the Olympic flame, I believe. But um, so I'm sure there's some definite touches and obviously rings of honor and all those things. Though I think the NFL kind of they run the show, uh, and uh, there's maybe a little hint of, of stuff from Raiders history, but because generally the NFL completely redecorates the place for the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. does, uh, so Al Davis, who was the, the former owner of, uh, of the Raiders, does, he passed away in 2011 and, and the team moved to Las Vegas after that, a couple of years after that. Do you know if, if he was, did he sort of, did he, before his passing, lead the charge for, for the Raiders to move from Oakland to Las Vegas or was that all the work of his, his son who took over afterwards? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, Mark Davis's son. I, I honestly don't know the, the exact history on that. Um, but I, I'm sure he was open to it because uh, Al Davis was certainly open to leveraging <laughs> the team that went from Oakland to Los Angeles and back to Oakland. And you could see that was something that Al Davis would do. And um, he also probably saw that, the uh, unfortunately, the... Um, Oakland and the inability to build a stadium of, of quality, and that's really the number one reason why um, both the uh, Raiders moved and now the soon-to-be, you know, <laughs> Las Vegas Athletics will move is because, yeah, the, uh, the city just doesn't value the stadium and that side of the bay, or uh, I don't want to get into the politics, while obviously San Francisco and, and the Santa Clara, which is down further south in Silicon Valley, both brand new facilities for the San Francisco Giants and the San Francisco 49ers. They used to play in a uh, baseball stadium, didn't they? It was always uh, sort of ugly watching the Raiders at times because you'd be watching football and have this sort of brown uh, brown <laughs> running track going through from uh, from second to third base in the middle of the football field. Yeah, the infield uh, for yeah, <laughs> Oakland Athletics games and then the Raiders would play. and Yeah, ugly. It was... Uh, you know, it was somewhat of a common, growing up in the 80s, there was a lot of venues that had that uh, for the beginning, you know, until uh, October. Uh, see, it would just be the first about four or five uh, weeks of the year, but 
that was the one that Oakland, uh, the Oakland Coliseum there, and they named it five different, six different brands since then. Um, yeah, that was one of the last venues uh, to have that. All right, we're going to take a break here on the All-American Hour this morning. Uh, speaking of Super Bowls and the evolution of the Super Bowls, we'll, uh, we'll get your uh, list of top, the top five Super Bowls uh, later on this hour, Chief. You've put a list together of the top five Super Bowls through history. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you to explain your parameters around that. We are here every day this week leading up to the Super Bowl, a special, edition, or special editions of the All-American Hour from 5am Monday to Friday, so pre-SEM breakfast uh, every day in the lead-up to the Super Bowl, which is uh, a week away. Monday next week, the Chiefs and the 49ers. And uh, we have the Chief. No relation to Kansas City, of course, are you, uh, uh, Chief? No, the nickname has to do with <laughs> Chief Wiggum from The Simpsons. Oh, really? <laughs> nothing to do. It goes way back uh, 27 <laughs> years. And, you know, uh, I've had that nickname, and then it was my trading badge as a commodities trader, CHF, and... Uh, <laughs> And I've been using it as a moniker for, you know, 15 years or so, talking to you guys. <laughs> wow, fantastic. There you go, the history of the name, the Chief. Um, so, yeah. yeah, but you're very much a uh, New York Giants fan, aren't you? Yes, yes. Yep. Okay, so. And there'll be a little bias, and maybe slight bias, but actually <laughs> not really. And uh, <laughs> some say that maybe I left out a Giants game that could be in the top five. So, uh, oh, okay. No, it, yeah. All right, well, we'll, well, we'll get the preview in just a second. We're, we're going to be doing some uh, top five uh, lists from the Chief uh, throughout the course of the week. Uh, so we'll do the top five Super Bowls um, in just a matter of uh, a couple of minutes. But, uh, Chief, in the meantime, let's uh, just dart away from the NFL for a second because we do still have uh, plenty of active sports around the United States right now, the NBA uh, in particular. So now that we're in the sort of uh, the post-Christmas New Year period and, and particularly post-NFL, once the Super Bowl is, uh, is, is run and won by next week, the NBA will take... Uh, pretty much full um, full uh, spotlight, I suppose, in the run-in now to the playoffs, which is a couple of months away still, but uh, but not far away. Um, uh, but the NBA, what's uh, what's been taking your fancy? I know the Knicks have been playing pretty well, and they had a they were on court yesterday. Yes, uh, they they were, and they took on the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, hosting the Los Angeles Lakers, who pulled off an incredible upset a couple nights earlier, beating the Boston Celtics in Boston with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the bench. So just shocking, but they were both rested and ready to go to take on the Knicks and end the Knicks, uh, I believe it was a nine-game winning streak. And, uh, yeah, Lakers uh, winning and, and, and actually kind of on the easier side of it uh, in uh, Madison Square Garden. And LeBron James loves uh, putting on a show in Madison Square Garden, and he did leading the Lakers, who, uh, you know, they just, I feel like, they I don't think you want to be in the play-in situation, but they can get that fifth, sixth seed. Uh, they're not a team you want to play in the playoffs. No, exactly right. Exactly right. The uh, Some of the matches coming up today, we've got, say, uh, a slate of uh, nine different matches coming up today, including uh, the Timberwolves, who have been... Uh, who have been flying this season. They're sitting in second at the moment. They take on the Houston Rockets, who are down in 11th uh, in the West. Uh, we've got the Milwaukee Bucks against the Utah Jazz. Jazz are 10th in the West, but the Bucks sitting in second uh, in the East. And the Boston Celtics as well take on the Memphis Grizzlies. So that's uh, Boston who sit one in the East against the Grizzlies, who are uh, a bit further down in, uh, in third last in the West. So today we've got a lot of the uh, the top teams taking on uh, some of those uh, bottom-ranked teams. So no, no, uh, just from as I scan through, no uh, super high matchups today. But uh, but who are the teams that have impressed you so far? No, we we spoke about the Timberwolves a couple of uh, months ago now in the All American Hour, and they're still keeping pace at the, in second in the West. 
Well, yeah, the, them and the Oklahoma City Thunder who are right there with them. And I think it's just uh, uh, not the traditional teams and very young teams and teams that, yeah, I think people expected to have very strong seasons with uh, the core talent. But uh, I think they're really kind of surprised uh, almost most NBA fans just how good they've been in the Western Conference, where the Eastern Conference has gone much more to form with the Celtics right up top and the Milwaukee Bucks, even though they've uh, fired their head coach and onto Doc Rivers. Uh, it's wild that, you know, a coach with uh, a record going so well uh, very early in the season to be fired. But I think there's a little more to the story than, than we know. Mm. The uh, the NBA, how much does it get sort of shrouded, I suppose, by the NFL um, in the in the back end of the NFL season in the in the American sporting landscape? You know, it's actually not too, too bad because when there's uh, just a couple of NFL games or four NFL games on the weekend, it, it, yeah, it does kind of blow away the NBA in those moments. But, but during the week, it definitely fills in. You don't have the Thursday night game. You don't have college uh, football on Thursday and Friday night. So the NBA does uh, build a bit even into uh, January and then really gets going, you know, uh, you know, just after uh, uh, this weekend uh, is coming up where, um, yeah, NBA will be number one. Joel Embiid could uh, potentially go in for surgery on a torn meniscus, which is going to rule him out for a little while for the Philadelphia 76ers. And also, Chief, as I understand it, puts uh, his, his chance at winning the MVP at risk as well. Yeah, it's a 65-game minimum uh, now to win postseason awards, to be named to the uh, All-NBA team. So, um, yeah, I don't think he'll be able to get to that number. And some people are saying that maybe him pushing himself to make sure he maintained that pace um, may have contributed to this injury. So it's added a little controversy to the 65-game minimum rule for uh, postseason awards. So um, I, I kind of am in favor of the idea, but... Uh, yeah, I think the hard number is a little, you know, you don't want to necessarily, and teams are playing, maybe play games and, you know, I don't know, play for five minutes, whatever the minimum is, but then that really messes your averages up. And it, it, it's just kind of an um, odd situation. But, you know, uh, the, the thing is so much finance is, is tied to these awards. Players get bonuses based off it. So when that's the case, this is actually something that, that really means something as opposed to just some hardware in your, your mantelpiece. The All-American Hour this morning here on SEN prior to SEN Breakfast. SEN Breakfast not far away, about 15 minutes off on, uh, on SEN right around Australia. But uh, every day this week, the All-American Hour here in the morning leading up to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 58 this time next week or just a little later than this time this week on Monday mid-morning. The Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. That was a bit of our um, NBA update. We also had uh, Duke versus North Carolina yesterday in the college basketball. 93-84 to 84 winners for the Tar Heels of North Carolina who are the number three seed. Um, and, uh, and Duke... Uh, who are the number seven team, still with a very favourable winning record, but uh, one of the great rivalries in uh, in college basketball, that one, uh, between two teams based out of uh, Carolina, so, well, North Carolina. So uh, that was a win yesterday for uh, for UNC. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the 40 Winks temper text. One from Tim in Brighton earlier. I did ask Tim for what his uh, thoughts were around the match. Uh, if Kansas City need a score with the game on the line late, can Mahomes deliver? San Francisco allowed 26 points per game in the playoffs. My prediction, this will be a 27-24 game and Mahomes finds a way to win a third Super Bowl. Tim in Brighton's uh, prediction a week out there, Chief. Yeah, I, I like it. I just, I'll, I'll flip the score. 
Go 27, 24, 49ers. All right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Pete and Doreen says uh, you guys should have a full morning on. Uh, jump on Fanatic if you must. An hour isn't enough of the All-American Hour. Stoked you and the Chief are on all week anyway, says Pete and Doreen. Thank you very much, Pete. Yes, uh, here uh, all week, Monday to Friday. Uh, then plus, again, our regular Sunday show at the back end of the week, the day before the Super Bowl. So uh, plenty of All-American Hour hours coming your way throughout the, the rest of this week in the lead-up to the Super Bowl, which now brings us, Chief, to our first top five of the week. And, uh, and we are going top five Super Bowls. Uh, so I've asked you to put a list together of your top five. Now, did you go your favourite Super Bowls or the best Super Bowls, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, more of the best Super Bowls, and okay. not necessarily my favourite. Um, yeah. Um, otherwise, it would be all Giants, and it wouldn't be fair. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> yeah. All right, take it away. Okay, yeah, you know, um, uh, David Letterman's one of my all-time favorites. He's David Michael Letterman. I'm David Michael Alcaro. He's the, famous for the top ten list, so I'm maybe hoping to be half as good as him, so we'll do a top five list. But I'm going to have a couple honorable mentions. Uh, first one's pre-Super Bowl, 1958 NFL championship game. Baltimore Colts and New York Giants at Yankee Stadium, uh, known as the greatest game ever played, uh, 23-17 Colts in overtime. Um, just a massive game for the NFL, really helped them uh, grow. And uh, at that time, baseball, uh, horse racing, boxing were all bigger uh, than the NFL, but that game really uh, blew it up. And actually, as a direct result, uh, a Texas billion man, a billionaire named Lamar Hunt created the AFL, and uh, the AFL, that's why the AFC trophy is Lamar Hunt Trophy, mm. and that's been kind of regularly given to Clark Hunt, I believe his grandson, <laughs> um, uh, from uh, being the winner of the AFC, and Clark Hunt is hoping to grab his, get his hands on another Lombardi trophy. Um, but yeah, the 1958 championship game is an uh, uh, honorable mention, leading to uh, the honorable mention, which is, um, I, I did look some lists up to make sure I didn't miss any. One that was very popular was Super Bowl thirteen, and this is one that I, you know, only have memory of from NFL Films. NFL Films is an incredible um movie program put together by Ed and Steve Sable, father, son, and just created uh, the NFL so much. And that's what we'd be watching all these two weeks or one week when there wasn't a break is just on ESPN, just uh, these NFL films, our shows. And this is one of the classic games, uh, 35-31 Steelers against Pittsburgh Steelers beating the Dallas Cowboys in Miami. Yeah, Super Bowl thirteen in 1979. And in the 1970s, the Pittsburgh Steelers won Four Super Bowls, 4-0, Dallas Cowboys 2-2, two and two, and that's why they have so many fans, uh, both those teams, uh, big, big groups of fans that you'll see uh, all over bars, and um, yeah, it's uh, because of the, that game. So that's, uh, yeah, the honorable mentions. So, um, yeah, number five, uh, we go Super Bowl 49, which is in uh, 2010, Patriots 28, Seahawks 24, uh, I think this should just on there because it's the most memorable play. Um, Russell Wilson throwing a ball at the two-yard line, intercepted mm-hmm. by Marcus Butler. Yeah, when uh, probably maybe one of the – Marshawn Lynch who's on commercials all the time. If they had handed the ball off to him and he got stopped, you wouldn't see him in any of these commercials. I think so much yeah. – he'd scored a touchdown, you know, maybe he'd be in more uh, with a, a Super Bowl touchdown. But uh, that game, obviously the Patriots coming back, two late touchdowns by Tom Brady, um, just building that Tom Brady legacy. And uh, that's uh, number five. 
five. Um, number four, just uh, two years later, uh, Super Bowl 51. Uh, yeah, 2017. I'm sorry, that was 2015, the 49. So 2017, Super Bowl 51, Houston, Texas. Uh, Patriots 34, Falcons 28 in overtime. Uh, the first overtime game in the Super Bowl history. Uh, Patriots down 28 to 3. Uh, and coming back, obviously, uh, uh, Tom Brady, uh, uh, James White, uh, just fantastic uh, games. And um, yeah, Tom Brady uh, leading. And again, that really solidifying uh, him as one of the all-time greats. And that's that's number four. Yep. Number three, I'm going to go to Super Bowl 23. Uh, 49ers 20, Bengals 16. Uh, really memorable as a childhood, you know, the Joe Montana legacy game, really. Him coming back against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, late touchdown drive, John Taylor, the touchdown, and just just so memorable because uh, there were so many lopsided games through my childhood, really starting to follow the Super Bowl in the mid-'80s, going through um, really to the early 2000s. The NFC won almost every year and by huge margins for the most part. And uh, that was one that was close and that the 49ers just got by. Number, uh, and that, number three. Number two? Number two, um, that's the Super Bowl of New York Giants. I'm sorry, <laughs> Super Bowl three. Uh, it's uh, Jets 17, Colts 6, biggest upset of all time. Uh, Joe Namath guaranteeing the game, 18.5-point underdogs, uh, Super Bowl two, really just solidifying the NFL and the Super Bowl as a great a game. And then number one, Giants 17, Patriots 14, Super Bowl 42, the New York Giants defeating the then 18-0 New England Patriots. Yes. Um, I think that was my first fantastic. one. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that's number one, and that was absolutely uh, fantastic. I could have mentioned some other Giants ones, but, um, yeah, New York, little New York boss there with one and two. Uh, but, yeah, there's uh, the top five Super Bowls. There we go. Thank you, Chief. We'll see you again tomorrow.